This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Laura Pennington Briggs. She is a former inner city teacher turned freelance writer and author. She's been featured in two TEDx talks and is an expert on freelance economy. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Not a problem. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? I had planned to follow sort of a traditional career in education until I worked in education for a while and decided that that wasn't really for me. So I had to pivot and make some big changes in my life to accommodate for that shift. So since 2012, I've been a freelance writer. I did that for a year while holding down another job. And then I've been doing it full time since the summer of 2013. And what I found was that my freelance writing journey opened me to all kinds of different cool experiences, not just working with clients all over the world and trying out different types of freelance skills, but other things like publishing a book or getting a TEDx talk. And that's where I'm at today. I now coach some other freelancers as well to help them grow their business. No, that's awesome. Um, and what what are some of the uh, the reasons why you ended up kind of leaving the teaching and going into um, full time kind of freelance? Sure. Well, you know, sometimes you have this image of what something is going to, going to be like, and then it's quite different from the reality. I had taught at the college level before working in a middle school, and so my experience was very much informed by you know, enthusiastic college students who wanted to be there and all of that. And it was very different working in a secondary school setting, especially in a district that had a lot of issues with administration and management and money and all of that. So I just felt very burned out by the idea of committing 30 years to working as a teacher and working towards that retirement. It, I just could not even see myself possibly doing that for 30 years. So it was time to think about something else that I could do instead. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, I have some talent and ability that I've helped a lot of students with their reading and writing. So what's sort of a complementary career that I could go into? And I didn't really think that I'd be able to make enough as a freelance writer to do it full time. But that was sort of the pleasant surprise is that there was enough of a demand where I was ultimately able to to just do that, not have to have another job. Now, was there a point where you made that decision in terms of kind of, I don't know if you had any kind of fear, like you said, if you can make enough to support yourself full time doing that? Is there kind of that like diving board, a point where you kind of made the leap and you decided to do it? Yeah, I think one of the things that I was going for in the beginning was hitting specific numbers every single month, you know, and I, for better or worse, I was comparing my freelance income to what I was making from my day job. So I left teaching and I was working in another industry in an office situation and really wanted to make sure that I could at least replace my day job income, if nothing else, because that would show to me that, um, you know, I might still have to do another side hustle or something if it wasn't enough, but can I at least replace what I'm making from my day job 
where I'm also enjoying the work that I'm doing more than what I was doing in my sort of traditional employment situation. So I did not leave for a long time. I stayed for over a year in my day job because I wanted to have that you know, year to look back on and say, okay, where did I do well? What months were a challenge? Um, because when you're making your own paycheck, you don't have that reliability of something dropping into your checking account every two weeks. You have to create the paycheck. So I waited quite a while to make sure that it would work. No, I agree. And I think taking that philosophy, I don't think some people think that they have to kind of jump in, quit their job and do something um, right away, feed in. And sometimes it's beneficial to have that as kind of your side hustle and uh, work through it until you can build it up. Yeah, I think there's this idea of like, you know, following your passion and yeah, it would be great to jump into something full time, but working for yourself is not for everybody. And you might have to test things out for a while. You know, the business that you start at first might not be the one that ends up being what you stick with. So I think it's a good idea to try some different things out while you have some of that predictability from a regular paycheck. And that way it's very low risk. So if something doesn't work out as your side hustle, you can navigate into something else and try that. You're not a hundred percent committed to doing just that one thing. No, I agree. And I think that's a good way to see what you're truly uh, passionate about. If you are thinking about switching careers. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. So what motivates you to succeed in 2019? I think that my business has shifted quite a bit over the seven years that I've been doing it for a long time. It was very, you know, financially motivated, growing, scaling, seeing kind of how far I could push it. It looks pretty different in 2019. My real motivation is to have a business that works around my life. So I still have certain number goals that I want to hit as far as like what I need to bring in for my income and for my expenses and taxes and all of that. But it's really about working with only my ideal clients and having more of a reduced schedule. I think when you start your business, it's very common for entrepreneurs, especially if you're doing it as a side hustle and then you jump into it full time, you put in a lot of hours. And after a while, that sort of enthusiasm to be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week sort of drops off. And it's more about shifting into how can I do other things in my business where I'm either eliminating certain tasks, I'm outsourcing them to other people, or I'm optimizing them to do them as quickly as possible, because it's kind of a nice relief to take the step back and go, okay, I don't have to work as hard as I did before. So for me, it's about making sure that the clients that I am working with, I show up for with a lot of enthusiasm and excitement because I can't work with everyone. And that is, has really been a game changer as far as how I approach my business. Yeah, I think it's important that like freedom of doing things on your own terms. So starting a business, sometimes you may have to take clients to pay the bills that aren't kind of your ideal clients that you wouldn't necessarily work with. But getting to a point where it's, you know, everyone that you want to work with on your own terms, standing both parties and however you want your business to function is important. Yeah. And I think one of the cool things about being a business owner is being able to see that opportunity to adapt and evolve. And you're the one who gets to decide if that happens. Whereas when you work for a company, you're sort of doing what someone else is directing you to do as far as their vision for where the business is going. And I think for me, realizing that I don't have to work with everybody, I don't want to work with everybody and I shouldn't work with everybody has enabled me to show up feeling really filled up about whoever I am working with because they're all my ideal clients. So there's a huge amount of freedom in that. I agree and it's really important to um, 
get to that point. Sometimes you don't get there as soon as you would like to, but I think that's the end goal in terms of an entrepreneur doing it on your own terms, like I said, and uh, having the ideal clients or being about and, and basically following what your mantra or core beliefs as a person and as the business are. Yeah, and often we don't even think about that when we start our business because you're either burned out from your day job or it's, you know, you're motivated by financial needs or there's something else in your life that's telling you that you've got to do something that's more flexible or you're just being called on to create something of your own. And so your motivation is very different and that can drive you to a certain point, but it's also really nice to be able to, you know, change things as you go and say, well, you know what, that worked until it didn't work anymore. And now I'm going to do something different. I agree. So what's one thing that you may have uh, struggled with or have seen as a weakness that you kind of harnessed and turned it around and now use it as a strength? Yeah. So for most of my life, I had ADD. It was a real challenge for me in school. I was always distracted. Um, it probably was early signs that I was meant to do something with writing because I just wanted to get my schoolwork done and get to be able to read my book. So I lived for that, you know, 25 minutes a day when the teacher would let us read quietly. And if I finished my work early, I knew I could pull out whatever book I was working on. So for a long time, I saw that as a real weakness that I had ADD, that I struggled with being able to focus, but I sort of channeled that into being able to hyper-focus and set up strategies that worked for me. You know, my business requires that I be focused, but on a number of different projects at any given time. So I'm not trying to do five projects at once, but the fact that I might be working on five different things in my business gives me that variety and sort of plays to my ability to get distracted and to need the variety in day-to-day -day life. So that's actually turned something that I thought was a real weakness in a lot more traditional, you know, scenarios like school and a regular job and been something that's worked to my advantage as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and I think that's important when people are presented hurdles like that, whether it's, you know, a condition or, you know, how you were, you know, born in, in a certain, you know, situation or you've had an accident or just anything in terms of a trait you want to improve, it's important to kind of focus on um, the positives and harness that because you could learn to position it in a way you may have never thought of. Yeah, and I think the more you can lean into your strengths and recognize that you don't have to become an expert at some of your weaknesses is really powerful. I think a lot of the reason that I've been successful is because I know what I do really well and I try to spend most of my time doing that. I'm not good with numbers, so that's something that gets outsourced to somebody on my team. Crunching numbers, doing the accounting, figuring out all of those details. Sure, I could learn that, but it's not necessarily my strength. So I try to work in the areas where I can be in my zone of genius most often and don't beat myself up about it because you don't need to be an expert in every single thing. And then if you sort of combine that with with this idea of like, you know, what in entrepreneurship or working for myself would have been viewed as a weakness by other people. You know, were you the person who always got in trouble in school for talking to others? Like you might be really good at doing sales calls and conversations. So how can you actually leverage that to work for you? Um, really kind of makes it exciting and interesting. I agree. And you touched on a point in terms of kind of delegating things and you don't necessarily need to know everything, which is true because it's impossible to have knowledge of everything. But as a business owner or company founder, people tend to uh, have it as kind of protecting their baby. 
and want to uh, do everything and make sure everybody's doing it the way that you want it done. And oftentimes there's many ways to do something and delegating certain things off of your plate lets you focus on kind of the real priorities of your company or business. Yeah, you start your business and you do a lot of stuff for yourself because you don't have the revenue yet to justify hiring someone else and you're kind of figuring it out on your own. So you want to know how to do it and you're learning these new things. But at a certain point, you realize that you can't wear 15 different hats in your business. So figure out what you're best at or what are the things that only you can do. Like in my business, that's speaking to clients to close them and completing projects for clients. Pretty much everything else can be delegated to someone else. And I think that's something that a lot of business owners struggle with, this idea of giving up control because for better or worse, you've adapted to doing everything yourself. But once you figure it out and have a team of reliable people who can help you, it makes a big difference in sort of how you approach your day and how you feel about your business. Oh, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, either personal or professional? I think it's to not be concerned if someone in another world like critiqued you and had a lot of negative things to say about you. So I'm just not a good employee. I didn't know that. Like, you know, we'd always been taught like you go to college and then you get a job and that's just how it goes. But I wasn't really suited to work in a traditional nine to five. So that was something that, you know, came up with two of my employers that there were aspects of sort of what I, you know, I was motivated to get my work done as quickly as possible so I could get out of there. But when I did that, I still wasn't able to leave. Like I had to sit there for three hours, even if there wasn't work to do. And so for me, that was made to seem like there was something wrong with me. But if you think about that, that actually can work really well for an entrepreneur to be motivated to get things done, to be very self-directed and able to work independently. So if someone's given you a you know, critique in some other world, in school, in your job, you know, don't take that to mean like you're not going to be good at anything. It might actually just translate to a different type of work or environment. I agree. And I think people taking um, criticism or, you know, feedback like that to heart or even in situations where you may have parted ways with the uh, employer, either gotten fired or laid off, and then you feel kind of useless or, you know, if they thought I wasn't good enough, Maybe I'm not, and that's not necessarily the case. Like you said, it's, you know, you're main, you may not be suited for that situation, but it doesn't mean you can't do something and excel at it. Yeah, I think it's so easy to take that kind of criticism very personally um, because you might be trying your best in that particular situation, but there's something off about it that doesn't really mean there's anything wrong with you. And I think kind of recognizing that and going like, okay, so maybe this isn't the ideal environment for me. What might work better? And, and then channeling that into perhaps your side hustle or a hobby that suits you more effectively. No, I agree. Well, thank you very much for stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yes, you can find me at betterbizacademy.com. Awesome. Thanks again for your time. All right. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.